You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! back and bigger than ever it's the unofficial 40 from soonerscoop.com now here's the entire sooner scoop crew carrie josh eddie and bob all right welcome back it is another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast brought to you by soonerscoop.com with the entire gang is here and, man, we've got sports, sports, sports coming out of our ears as the NCAA tournament's getting ready to start. Uh, also, spring football getting ready to start as we talked to Lincoln Riley today. Uh, and that's why we're uh, podding a little bit later in the week. We wanted to make sure we had the, uh, the pre-spring press conference in the books. And let's start there. Uh, also, Sherry Cole resigning, which made a lot of people happy. That I mean, let's face it, though. The people that are cheering, like, finally! Did those people go to any games, or will they go to any games in the future? I don't know. How old are they? And are they lesbians? You said it. I did it. Um, anyway, that's just my one pet peeve about the whole thing. Like, Sherry Cole made herself obsolete by taking a dead program and reviving it so well that she couldn't live up to her own standard. So... And it was time. Yeah, it was time. I mean, 25 years. 25 years. I mean, that's... Nobody should have any expectation of ever coaching a... Well, it's not a major sport. A Division One sport, I should say, for 25 years. I don't think it's possible to do it and do it at a high level for 25 years. No, in all seriousness, like, I, I think that we saw it with Bob in football. It's like 20, 19, 20 years at one place... Everybody needs some type of reset. Nobody is a robot outside of maybe Nick Saban. And shit, he hasn't even been in Tuscaloosa for 20 years, has he? Is it 21 now? I. It's like what? 12, Saban? isn't it? No, it's yeah, like, yeah, like, he was yeah, like 07, yeah. 08. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, like, now, Kim Mulkey's been at Baylor since 2000. Yeah, you know, the craziest one of all of them is the fact that Scott Drew's been down in Waco for 18 years. Yeah, wow. that, and you know we're 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 leaving out Patty Gasso, who has been around. You know when Bob was around, and she's getting better with age. Um, but then again, like Sherry, she didn't have the problem that Sherry had, which is she would lose good assistants uh, that were good recruiters, and she just never made up for it. I'll say this: this is uh, my hot take of the day concerning women's basketball. <laughs> Like you hear all the olds that are in the that are in the broadcasting business, like Bo Overton, Bo Overton, Bo Overton. You really and this is this is not a woke a woke culture thing. It's women's basketball, which I think probably has a lot more to do with recruiting than anything. I think there's probably a lot of people that could coach 
a college women's basketball team. What would be wrong with giving Courtney Paris a shot? Her name's not Molly Miller. <laughs> should, should we just give Eddie the yeah. floor on Molly Miller and yeah, let him go? Just let, Eddie, what, like I did with Josh, why don't you explain to the people who Molly Miller is? <laughs> She's, well, I mean, it, I, I would assume that a lot of people know who she is, but it was brought to my attention yesterday by one of our colleagues that she is one of the like most winningest coaches in Division II basketball history. She has plenty of accolades. But why Serious. do you really want it to be Molly Miller? I want to cover the women's basketball team. I think it's a it's an endeavor that I haven't tackled before, and I want to challenge myself. <laughs> and I would encourage everybody to join me in the movement and maybe Google Molly Miller. And there you the go. The problem There's is in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, Molly Miller, Molly Miller is a mysterious murder that has never been solved. So that's all I'm getting. Molly really? Miller basketball, yes. Ah, oh, well, just Google Molly Miller Grand Canyon University. And I, I just, Molly Miller. Is there basketball. any chance there's a connection? Did Molly Miller take a life? I mean, is that what's happened here? Yeah, maybe she changed her name. Maybe she assumed mm-hmm. her identity and is coaching under. Now, that would be awesome. I mean, yeah, Molly Miller would put butts in seats again. She's uh, fantastic yeah. looking. I, I think that she'd be a fantastic coach, too. She's obviously very qualified. Not afraid to be a woman. Grand Canyon University must have a pretty good athletic I'm, program out there. I mean, Bryce Drew's the men's head coach. I'm going to say this, Eddie. You, I, it, it was one of those things where uh, Eddie's making another dumbass point again, but you are... Like, legitimately, like, she is a really good candidate, regardless of how she looks. I mean, by Oklahoma basketball standards and what they've been over the last three, four seasons, she's overqualified. Well, people would say, like, oh, it's Division Two. Well, remember where Sherry came from. She was just an extremely good high school coach. Like, you're literally making a step forward. Exactly. I can't take credit for all of it. Again, it was brought to my attention. I won't out the person, but... It was uh, a, a terrific find. She used to be at Missouri State, too, I believe. And that's kind of where she uh, got into the coaching ranks there. And I, I believe Drury, maybe. Uh, Drury College. So, yeah, I'm 100% in. I will carry the flag. I will carry the banner. I don't care what has to happen. Molly Miller to Norman. All right. I've just gotten word. Um, Josh, I want your response to this. The spring roster came out today. Uh, and one, I put, I haven't, I haven't, I've been busy. We have a new sponsor on the message board. So I've been dealing with that all morning. I haven't gone back to see my post or see the thread since I posted on it. Uh, because, uh, OU did confirm that all those heights are correct. Uh, and they said, well, I'm going to check back on Jordan Mukes because that doesn't seem right. Uh, and all the players were measured, me, me, f- measured. <laughs> <laughs> all, they were the, all measured. The bit's done. We're not to do. They, they were all measured uh, in socks, no shoes. So that's part of it too, which I think uh, uh, Rawlings Kabongo is that right? Kabonge? Did I get it right? Nathan Rawlings Kabongo. Kabonge is what I've gone with, but I don't know. I yeah, I don't know that that's one hundred percent right. I don't think OU's put out the phonetics on that one yet. Um, mm-hmm. But he was uh, what six five and a half or six four and a half? Was it? 
And that was yeah, they that, I'm told mm-hmm. that was correct. We should probably figure out which that is because it doesn't help the pod. Six um, four two forty seven is what they've got him listed at. Not six four and a half, just six four. It just says six four. Yep. Okay. Um, but the thing that surprised everyone, like, no, oh, that can't be right, is Jordan Mukes six one and one half. And people at OU said, yeah, we're going to go double check that. I just got a text just before I started talking about this. I'm told Jordan Mukes at six one and a half is correct. I don't know any way that's possible. Um, Oof, really? I I mean, Bob, Eddie, you guys good. have seen him. Like, <laughs> I good. I would have said six three four sure. Um, right. Maybe even pushing a six four. He is a big guy. Um, yeah that that one that one doesn't add up to me. And it's so funny because we always are talking about the the inches being added that aren't there. But I mean, like in this example, he is the same height as, or uh, he's an inch taller than Deshaun White. No way, no way, no how. I, I, I don't e- either. Deshaun is more like five ten, or Jordan's taller than that. There, there's just no way those guys are the same size, or even close to the same size. And I was told standard operating procedure is. They only go in halves, and they only round. They they only round up if you're three quarters. So you're oh, either man. you're either six foot, you're six and a half, you're six and a half, or you're six one. You see well, what I'm I mean, saying? I'm really glad three heights. Really, that's not the way teachers saw things. I mean, point five goes up. I mean that that's <laughs> that's the way of the world. <laughs> yep. I mean, you, I mean, if you're a football. Coach, you you got to have. I mean, what's ridiculous is, you know, that stuff matters to kids. Like it just it just does, and so it, it's weird that you have to have policies like that. But I guess that's the policy that they figured makes people complain the less, the least. But okay, so there. I mean, those were the numbers that were out there uh, that people were talking about most. The other thing was Spencer Jones, Spence Jones, whatever you want to call him, he's a quarterback now. And uh, he was a quarterback when he was a freshman at Liberty. That's what he was there to do. So it's not that far-fetched, but that was confirmed through OU as well because people on the board were like, this is just wrong. He's a quarterback. That can't be right. It's right. And and I guess, Bob, I mean, with so few quarterbacks, they need just uh, – we talked about this a lot. They need some arms right. just to take throws off of people. Yeah, I mean, they're going to bring in walk-ons in the summer – but you got to get through spring first and see before all, you know, the fight in the bathroom and the holder of the year, what Jones was known for, he was the scout quarterback that got him ready for army. So yeah, he's been in this position, be, you know, before this is what he came initially to OU to uh, do. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you got to get through spring and really I was surprised to see Tanner Schaefer was still on the roster because I've been informed that he didn't plan on coming back, and then maybe he's just going to help out for spring because he's going to class anyway, and then maybe he'll he'll leave as soon as the summer gets here and those those walk-ons that they're looking to get from the high, the high school ranks start to Be- come in. Before we get to Lincoln's comments today, Josh, you had had it early uh, that you were hearing that Buki was going to end up at Washington and it looks like it was just simply a matter of him, you know, waiting to get his degree. And he wanted to go ahead and get his degree first before he transferred out. And uh, then he announces he's headed to Washington. 
Yeah, you know, I, I started hearing last week, and I actually talked to our guy Lars Hansen at our uh, Washington site, and he kind of said, yeah, you know, that that's the word, is that he's going to transfer in. What's really interesting to me in, in talking to Lars a little bit was out of high school, Washington wouldn't recruit him because Jimmy Lake basically said he's too small. And now, I, I guess a couple years later, they've kind of seen him work in that nickelback role, and they have something kind of similar. And so they've said, okay, we, we, we think he can, he can work here and do this for us. But, I mean, this is not a guy that Washington wanted out of high school. And, you know, I know all the OU fans have kind of been down on Buki, but they saw enough of him at Oklahoma to feel like he can come and play for guys. I mean, what we all know is one of the better defenses year in and year out in the country. Uh, and – what we also know is that OU wouldn't take Buki out of high school now. So that's a fact. Uh, it's a weird whole situation. Okay, so uh, Lincoln Riley has, has his uh, pre-spring press conference today. Uh, Eddie, you've been kind of quiet. Let's start with you. What was your number one takeaway today from uh, Lincoln Riley? Oh, I, I mean, probably just the fact that you know, I, I think that spring football has become a situation, and particularly when you have a mature team like Oklahoma does. I mean, I, I guess in a way that's kind of what Riley said in the opening, just as far as it's a, well, I guess a would be the first thing I would say is they're as close back to normal as possible. I mean, even not having to test three times a week, I'm sure is a, uh, you know, something that is a good thing for the players, not having to worry about that kind of shit. And then, you know, I guess obviously just kind of going through the, uh, the, the, the competition of spring and finding guys, uh, you know, I, I think to a certain extent, it's probably a little bit of coaches speak. But at the same time, like I, I thought the question that you asked as far as the wide receiver room goes was kind of interesting. They need more from that position. It was obviously, uh, you know, up and down last year. You had ups with guys like Marvin Mims and uh, his emerging role in the program. But then again, you had guys like, uh, you know, the I guess in a way you can lump all three of the five star guys, uh, Jane Hazelwood, Trajan Bridges and Theo Weiss into the same category just as far as guys that really need to take that next step and uh you know to say that i don't think it would hap is going to happen is probably a little bit of a lie but uh you know i think it's an important spring for a lot of those guys uh to you know take the next step and move into a roles that they can really be contributors and guys uh that they can count on offensively so um, you know, I guess the Pat Field stuff is a little bit interesting, too, just for the fact that he's not going to be able to participate. And, you know, I, I think that even with him out there, there was a chance that he might end up losing a starting spot. And now with not being able to, you know, go through a whole lot of things, I would imagine that you probably see a guy like a Pat Fields lose his starting spot. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if Eddie left much on the bone for you there, Bob. Uh, by the way, right? <laughs> Eddie, uh, it's always smart to to, it, it bodes well for your future when you say that you liked my question. Um, so good on you. I even used it in the social teaser. I'm just trying to get some people's asses around here. <laughs> uh, I, I I do, Bob. I think that's interesting, though, when Lincoln kind of becomes a hard ass. And mm -hmm. it was like he did that with you the wide receiver position. You that with an old group, though, right? Like, I don't think he would do that if this was a, a group of freshmen. But no. Now, these are guys that can take a little bit of heat, take a little bit of getting called out into the media. And, you know, I, I don't think you can really include Trajan Bridges in that just because he didn't play last year until the sure. very end. Uh, but I, I, it's definitely he's trying to put forth a challenge. I, I'll say this. I think it's not so much about veterans or older guys. It's talent. He knows he has a shitload of talent in the receiving 
room, and he's going to do everything he can, Bob, I think, to squeeze every ounce of that talent out of this group. Yeah, and if those older guys aren't going to do it, you're going to look to Mario Williams and Cody Jackson and tell them, okay, this is your chance to try to make your mark because what we said before is for all the potential that's in the room, it's not a deep one. I mean, they only have six returning scholarship receivers that are that that are back. I mean, they usually go through six, seven, eight receivers per, per game getting quality number of reps. So when you look at... You know, if there's anyone who's slacking off, you know, those young guys are going to have their chances. But, yeah, you what you want is, you know, Theo Weiss, stop dropping those touchdown passes. Jaden Hazelwood to be fully healthy. I mean, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances for all three of those five-star guys. But you know, what, you know what else was really interesting is he targeted his own coaches a lot. And I, I wonder if that wasn't a reflection of his disappointment in the development of uh, Charleston Rambo a year ago. Yeah, I mean, we sort of knew with with Rambo that 2020 was going to be a sink or swim moment, and it just didn't work out. It's that they tried to make him the next version of C.D. Lamb, and really they probably just needed to keep him as the 2019 version of Rambo with the same type of routes and all that he was doing in 2020. Yeah, instead of trying to make him C.D. Lamb, yeah. Right. It, It just didn't pan out. They couldn't make... Could, for some reason, that switch never went on to where he became the number one guy and you knew you could count on him. And that was reflected throughout the entire year where you felt like Spencer Rattler's best option, either going deep to Mims or going short intermediate with Stogner. It really felt like those were two guys that he developed the most trust with throughout the course of the season. Eddie, what did you think about it? I mean, he wasn't asked a lot about just the minor position battles, but he was asked uh, basically about the big, you know, big issues, offensive line, defensive line. He was asked about the, the defensive backs a little bit. Uh, you have any particular takeaways that what stood out to you about maybe the offensive or defensive line? I mean, the defensive line was just I mean, kind of talking about how versatile. they. We all know how they are, but I, I don't know. I thought maybe the offense, what he had to say, was the most interesting part. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it's going to be particularly interesting to see what ends up happening at center. I, I would imagine that they're going to give a number of guys the opportunity. I don't think that it's a situation that you're going to look up and uh, Ian McIver is going to win the job. I think that they have plenty of talent to play the position. It just is going to be a matter of who steps up. And then, you know, he, his name didn't get brought up, but I'm somewhat interested. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to Bill at some point during the spring just as far as how good he thinks a guy like Awanye Morris can be. Uh, you know, I, I, I certainly think that he's a guy that's expected to kind of almost not just necessarily walk into a starting position, but I would be shocked if he wasn't the starter against Tulane. Well, you know, uh, I remember uh, Gabe Eichert had told me this earlier, and I know he said it on his podcast, but he really believed that Chris Murray was going to be the next starting center at Oklahoma. Yeah, which I think is, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that would be good news, and then that means that, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, is Tyrese Robinson going to end up being the odd man out? Because I would, and I, you know, somebody could legit it, get it, replaced on this line. Andrew Rain figure into all the whole right. thing. Yeah, I, I mean, would imagine that he would have to be, you know, busting somebody's ass to make a starting position this year. So, like, everything on the offensive line is kind of interesting. And and what has become of a guy like a Stacy Wilkins? He's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, everybody. And Bob, you brought it up this morning, but like everybody talks about Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Redmond returning to the mix, but. I mean, Stacey Wilkins is still a guy that I think a lot of people around there feel like could be really good one day 
when the light comes on, but he's entering a spring. Like the light has to come on at some point or you got to start moving on. You know, the other thing that really is a topic, I know Bob's going to write a separate story on this. Um, you COVID and COVID protocols. And it was interesting. Lincoln said that, you know, kind of the start, the, the, the uh, press conference today that, uh, he thought that this spring would be closer to a return to, to normal. Um, and at the same time, I think, you know, getting players to participate in kind of a, as a group, as a whole, in getting the vaccine. Look, I understand they can't make anyone do it. We've been kind of hinting at this for a while. They cannot force someone to get the vaccine. But it almost is is being sold as, I don't know, it reminds me of like war bonds type things. It's like do your duty to your team and get the vaccine. I mean, like, boy, that could be a riot. We could make a slogan out of that. Uh, there you go. Uh, but it's like... Put it on a shirt. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... Uh, it, it's one of those things, like, coaches are like, look, if everybody has the vaccine, we can we can be so much more productive. So much room for activities. It It's one of those things, and I, I thought he was, you know, I, I guess in a way I was surprised by the transparency that he talked about having those conversations with the players. And I, I would imagine that, you know, I'd, it's not be stupid about it, but it's, I would imagine that there is a lot of guys that have, you know, their questions about uh, what they're going to be putting in their body. And I, I, I find it, that whole conversation fascinating, I guess is probably the best way to put it. And he did relay that, you know, I, I guess the majority of the coaching staff has already got it. So, I mean, I, I, Today was kind of the first time, and it. it was almost reassuring to feel like everything is finally, you know, I, I, it's cliche to say it, and we've, we'll say it a hundred more times. Josh breathing. But everything is getting back to somewhat of a normal. I wasn't, wasn't going to wait for you to read my third uh, DM, so I just damn. yelled at you, Josh. Sorry. We're all doing Fair our enough. usual screw-ups today. Me and my nah, major. You know. Uh what, no, but what I let, me, let me let me let me throw this to Josh real quick, Bob. Um, along those lines, I mean, high school kids—you don't get the vaccine until you're 16. Why is everything rhyming today? Uh, so it's like high schools. Like, how do you, do you have a feel at all for how this is going to play out? Because I mean, obviously, if people are vaccinated in high school, they're going to be willing to lift restrictions way more than just about any other division of sport i would think you know I, I think a big part of why high schools can move a little faster is because these i mean we all know it these are kids living at home with their parents and family members and all these things so they have kind of a built-in structure of you know you need to be either getting the vaccine or we're going to have you around the right people but the schools unlike at college when they're away from their family it's really up to the kids and the coaches to make sure they're kind of following proper protocols. They have adults at home to kind of keep an eye on them, make sure they can do that. So, like I said, the schools don't carry the same level of responsibility, and I think it makes it easier for them. Also, you know, they're all living within the same general area, the same general community. It's not like college where kids are coming in from California or Washington or anywhere else. You, you get a lot more, um, you know, kind of um, – singular idea i guess would be the easiest way to say it yeah i mean i just i i think you know i mean basically what we got from lincoln today was uh and bob i think you were you were going to kind of go into this a little bit but 
uh, you know, if everyone is vaccinated, then then maybe, and he mentioned this, like maybe they could get to a point where people don't even have to wear masks anymore. Right, just that the rules and the proto- and the protocols could be separate if you've had the vaccine compared to if you haven't, and that that'd be really strange to say. But uh, I mean, I, I don't think he was threatening people with with playing time but in a way it could almost work out in that position if you don't get it and then you end up getting covid or contact tracing because you didn't get it i mean that's really going to hurt yourself and it's going to hurt the team but didn't he kind of almost almost sell is it almost made it out like he was selling it like look if you don't have the vaccine you're probably going to live by a different set of rules than everybody else yep Exactly. And that, that sounds really weird to say. And I don't know if that would create any division among the teammates or just how that culture would would work out. But he, he said maybe down the road, you know, he doesn't know if it's possible, but he thinks it's feasible that you could end up in that type of uh, that type of situation where people have different rules based on the way that they've lived their lives. And I, I you know, I, I'd asked him, uh, I got a text message afterwards for throwing two questions out at the same time uh, from maybe a moderator. But I'd asked him about the NBA stuff, too, because I think that's fascinating, like what Adam Silver is doing in the NBA, basically saying uh, if everyone, what did he put it at, 85% or something like that? But if everyone got vaccinated, if if 100% of, of your team was vaccinated, then at the practice facility, they're saying, and the players union agreed on this, like you don't have to wear masks when you're in your facility if everybody's been vaccinated. So they're, you know, if they get everyone vaccinated and then we don't see, uh, you know, people missing games or teams missing games and, and uh, contact tracing stuff goes away and, and you're getting back to normalcy uh, with basketball, it'll be the first sport that really tells us can this get us back to normal? And I think everybody's going to be watching to see how that model works for the, because it's, it, it would apply to them moving forward. I think we just lost I missed some of it. I thought I it was I think say I thought it was for Bob, so I, I was I was typing out a question. Yeah, I think somehow we lost Bob. Uh, well, we're having a banner day with connections on the podcast. It's been stellar. Okay, one of the th- one of the other things, uh, Bob. You, I know you were planning on asking about it. You did ask about it, but. Uh, you, know, you had three three main guys. We talked about Stacey Wilkins that sat out. We haven't talked about Jalen Redmond uh, and not so much about Kennedy Brooks, but both those guys sat out last year uh, and now back on the roster, part of the team, going to be a part of the season. Even Jalen Redmond was back for bowl practices, uh, what little they had. Uh, but kind of what was your take on you know how, how Lincoln kind of looks at those guys? Yeah, I was just wondering, like, I mean, they willingly left the team, like whether or not you agreed with her decision or not, you know, that's what they did. And it's like, how tough was it to get back into the good graces? And it doesn't sound like it was a really difficult process. I mean, it's an unknown territory for everyone in terms of how this was handled. And it just sounds like when it got towards signing day, they needed to know for roster management and for scholarships and whether or not they had to recruit some other guys, but it, it doesn't sound like there was this big rift or like, you know, it was really hard for them to be welcomed back. And, and the way he, I love how he phrased it, it's like, it's kind of like it never happened now, you know, they're back. Everything's the way it used to be. We're back on schedule and, you know, they're happy to have all, 
three of those guys back. I wouldn't say like they need to be hazed or something like that to be reinitiated into the program, but I was sort of wondering if it was a little awkward at, at you know at first for those guys to return with their teammates who were who went through this whole process throughout the 2020 season. Yeah, and I mean, Jalen is a little different because he was not practicing uh, you know, when it happened. He was coming back from that shoulder surgery, uh, had not rehabbed it properly, was really frustrated as much as anything, uh, didn't even know if he would come back. Uh, and then he ended up you know, meeting with Lincoln throughout that year and, and then decided he was going to come back and then you know, rehab it the right way. Uh, and actually looked in pretty good shape uh, in you know, in, even back in the bowl practice when we saw pics of him. Uh, but Kennedy Brooks was a guy that could have played, you know, didn't seem to be uh, you know a health issue or anything like that, but just decided not to play. So I mean, it, I think everyone kind of wonders where his head is going into this season as well. And whether he'll address it. I mean, you know he'll be one of the first players we want to talk to when we get a chance to talk with offensive players next week. Will, is it something that he'll really talk about? Or, or is he just going to say, like, that that was the past and I'm only focused on the future or some sort of, you know, where declines to really comment on it? And what did you guys kind of take from – I mean, he, you knew he was going to kind of get the question. I think Bob and I had talked about whether we should, you know, ask this with him. Uh, about where things stand with recruiting in the dead period. What did you guys think about his comments there? I thought he took the PC answer as far as yep. what he could say and what he should say. <laughs> kind of like I think oh, we know what he should have said. Eventually it's coming, so I'm going to stop being a dick about it. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's just it's it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous and we I feel like talked about it for 2 months now. It's been ridiculous as far as why we're still in a dead period. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. What was the kids are traveling all over the country. (laughs) What was disappointing was yesterday, the committee not really coming to a firm decision. You're, you're seeing on social media, like crazy kids are posting official visits first week of June. It sounds like the second weekend of June is shaping up to be a big visit weekend for the Sooners. Yet the committee that's overlooking this yesterday did not come out with a firm calendar. So you almost want these guys are jump are jumping the gun and you like all all these plans for June being a big visit month. Is it going to happen? Are they finally going to allow them to go forward with this? Because based on yesterday and not coming to a real conclusion, it still might be up in the air, which again just boggles the mind at at, uh, at this point. I just think we're we're so much at the forefront of things changing and changing quickly with pe- you know more and more people getting vaccinated. Like, it, you know, if things go well, we don't have any more spikes and people are getting vaccinated and not as many people are getting sick. Like, they should just be able to to kind of unilaterally lift restrictions. Like, that's kind of how I thought it should always work. It's like, yeah, you you take precautions and you're extra cautious, but then when things change for the better. Uh, just be able to just one day turn on a dime and say, okay, we're done with that. Let's do this now. There's no reason the NCAA can't do that. Yeah. Think about the people you're talking about, though. Doing the right thing and doing the uh, smart thing aren't always the right thing that they do or subscribe to. They're already ignoring OSU to get them in the tournament. 
<laughs> yeah, they they got they got twenty four hours still to do something stupid. <laughs> They're gonna get him in a bubble and. All right, yesterday uh, was a big day for me. I got out and about, did a big radio deal uh, at a, a big bar in Oklahoma City, tons of people, uh, and I wanted to look my best. And so you know what I did? I uh, grabbed my green dead soxies because it was St. Patty's Day. Didn't want anybody to pinch me. Uh, put on my nice watch and uh, went out and put on some nice shoes and uh, went out on the town, and it was fantastic. It was, uh, it was like an old friend coming back to visit. Uh, and I tell you what, there is nothing better. I, the boardroom is what I wore yesterday, Eddie, uh, and those things do not move once you pull them up. They are fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, and first off, welcome back to uh, welcome back to uh, the the world. And uh, I mean, I've been going to like, the grocery store and usually stuff. Usually, you like people pinching you, so I'm just surprised that you didn't go with the no show socks. I and that's what I would have done. And I've been going out to the golf course lately, getting some putts in. They work out perfectly with the golf shoes if you're hitting balls uh, or actually playing. So I go with the no shows. I know that you go with the patented no slip silicone bees to keep them up. So either or, even if you got like giant Josh calves. Those things hold, oh. I'm telling you. I, I can't imagine how sturdy they would be on those mountains. Covering that man calf tat. Uh, <laughs> anyway, if you want to cover your calf tat, uh, go to Dead Soxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. We haven't even told you about the deal, uh, because if you're a Sooner Scoop uh, listener uh, or unofficial 40 listener, Sooner Scoop subscriber, reader, whatever, you can get 30% off with the promo code BOOMER at checkout. Just go through, pick what you want, the Crimson Cream colorways. Uh, if you want to support the Sooners, if you want something for game day, uh, put them in your cart. Put some no-shows in the cart. Uh, put some boardrooms in the cart. And then when you check out, just put BOOMER as the promo code, and you'll get 30% off. That's deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. And remember, as always, stay soxy. All right, well, let's talk about it. Uh, Davion Harmon, uh, huge news yesterday. Devastating. Got the, got the COVID. Uh, and, Bob, you were on the Zoom call. I was uh, in the middle of uh, doing some radio stuff yesterday afternoon. Uh, and when I heard the news from you, uh, I mean, people have misused the word bombshell today. Uh, but that, I would say, was a bombshell. Uh, I mean, could you actually see people's jaws hitting the floor as Lon was announcing that? Yes, and you can almost see Lon like just taking a big pause, like, oh boy, yeah, this this is where we're at, you know. And there's so many people now you're gonna look you're gonna look to Kansas. Because it's Jalen Wilson, you're gonna look to Kansas as the reason as to why this happened, even though Lon has denied that or hasn't said there's any medical proof or scientific proof of how this happened, but Jalen Wilson and Davion Harmon, high school teammates, best of friends, Jalen Wilson gets COVID, and that's why KU has to bow out as a Big 12 tournament. And now just days later, Harmon gets it too. No one else on OU seems to be in any sort of trouble or contact tracing, positive test, just Harmon. So for right, right or wrong, Jalen Wilson is going to be blamed for this. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's just, it's almost too big of a coincidence, isn't it? That that, yeah. that both of them are now in protocol after just happening to be in the same spot in Kansas City. I mean, it just, I don't know. It, it's hard not to put two and two together. But, you know, it's kind of like you said, Bob, like listening back to the uh, Zoom call from uh, from Wednesday when Lon made the announcement, it's almost the ultimate 
ironic moment in the history of OU Zoom sessions that Aber asks the first question right out of the gate. <laughs> How important has Devion Harmon been to your guys' uh, season on the back half of the year? And he's like, well, it's weird that you asked that. I got some news to tell you. I feel, and I feel terrible for Devion Harmon because, I mean, we're literally four days removed from talking to him on the uh, Zoom call Sunday afternoon after the selection show. And he's basically talking about how he's getting ready to live his dream this week of being able to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, he's been thinking about it since he was three years Sucks. years old. He, his family has always made the trip from Denton for every game. They were going to go to Indy for the games this uh, weekend. And, I mean, you just you think about what he's meant to the team. And I think what, what Ryan might have been trying to allude to is that could he have been – could, you know, someone – that could take over for Reeves a little bit so Reeves doesn't feel like he has to be a one-man show during those last five minutes. It's harming someone who's ready to step up and try to be that guy because, you know, in Kansas City, especially against Kansas, that wasn't Harmon's greatest moment. And you know that's going to irritate him to no end, that that's how he ended his season was with that type of game. But that's where he's at now. Now you need Alondis Williams and Jalen Hill and Victory Walkor just to try to duplicate that energy, the production, that bench just got shorter by the second. I still think they go with a four-guard lineup, Harkless, uh, Reeves, Williams, and Mo Gibson, and then with Manic starting, and then you see what he brings to the table, and then Kirk West will come in, and Jalen Hill will have his time. But, yeah, that's a huge blow, especially with the way that Harmon had been starting games. Yeah, I still think he's – he faded a bit during the second half of games, but the first half he was that energy, that spark plug that really helped OU get off to nice starts time and time again. I'll ask it as most the most simple way possible. <laughs> Can they even turn this thing around, or is it just f***ed? It doesn't look very good because it's just the things that, you know, Lon has been saying constantly that it's not too different from January, but everything that is different is for the negative. You know, they're not making the clutch shots or the defensive tenacity is not there for 40 minutes. And that's been just the, the real big problem is they just have lapses of concentration going down the stretch of this part of the season is where you would expect them to be as focused as ever before. But it's been this part where they've had the flat outings, the first half against Texas, the first half against Kansas. And I, I just don't know if less than a week later and now you lose someone who is maybe more focused than anybody else because that's just how Davion Harmon has been wired this entire time. Now you can turn that switch back on and play like the team that we saw a couple months ago. Bob, I think the thing that the casual fan who's been watching Oklahoma lately uh, says with this news is, oh, God, that just means that Austin Reeves now has one more reason to keep the ball all the time. And you're not wrong. There's no, <laughs> I, I know Eddie made the joke, too, that he's never going to pass. You know, you see him take every single shot, but there, there's going to be that part of Reeves that absolutely believes, okay, it's going to be up to me even more to try to oh. do this. And that's why it's going to be imperative that Harkless gets into Manic, make some early shots, so that Reeves has faith and trust in the other teammates to try to make things happen going into the second half. It's the ultimate like glass half full uh, OU fan spin zone just to say, well, I mean, Reeves was going to have to get hot for this team to probably advance anyways. So you're just eliminating one guy in Devian Harmon. 
might as well just jack it up the entire game. I hope he doesn't pass the entire game. I think it'd, I think it'd be awesome. You have to. I mean, I know that that we put dirt on his grave, but don't you have to really let Brady Manick have a big role? I mean, isn't that really your yeah. only chance? Is is for yeah, Brady he, Manick to play like he did at the end of the Kansas, the second half of the Kansas game? You would have to have those guys play at a level that, you know, they or in, if it's not going to be a Manick, you have to get something out of a Mo Gibson, right. or you're not going to win. I mean, it just it kind of is what it is. Uh, and you know, they, they win Saturday. It's good and fine. I think everybody knows what would be awaiting them on Thursday on a Monday. And that's, you know, that's their fault. That is 100% that team's fault for the position that they put themselves in. And the problem with Manic is he'll have to go against Jeremiah Tillman of Missouri, who is a traditional back to the basket type of scorer and we saw with Jericho Sims and David McCormick we, we've seen what guys like that have done to Manic defensively throughout this season and if, I think Tillman would just abs- is, is going to have his way with Manic. so if Manic's not hitting offensively you're going to have to get him out because Till I, I just can't see a, a way that Tillman doesn't have at least like 15 points and 10 boards going up against Manic or e- or even Quest because Quest isn't a great on-ball defender. He's just a great rim protector who knows how to block shots. So it, unless they get Tillman in foul trouble, I think it could be a very long night in terms of the post. I, uh, I'm i going to just call the shot now. I see OU making it to the Sweet 16. Gonzaga got COVID. Yes, that's exactly. You read my mind. <laughs> Gonzaga gets COVID, and OU barely wins in overtime against Missouri. Straight to Man, the Sweet Sixteen. You, can you imagine how many people that's gonna fuck over if OU uh, was able to find a way and beat Missouri and then beat Gonzaga? Like, I would imagine there's a, quite a few uh, bets being placed. There's on Gonzaga not, on the table. There's not one person that's entered in the million dollar bracket challenge that what whoever's doing that or the whatever. That's got Oklahoma going to the Sweet 16. I bet there's not one. Well, there's some idiot out there. I, I that think did you it. underestimate the sooner the sooner nation. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> there's at least one I know of. We need to find if you're an OU fan and you I think have James them. Hale put his in for OU. Uh, he's morning. All right. Uh, if you're an OU fan and you entered a bracket challenge and put OU into the Sweet 16. Uh, I'll give you a free month of Sooner Scoop if you email me because you're insane. I mean, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people that just make a fake bracket and send uh, yeah. it. Yeah. If you <laughs> want to go through all that trouble, work. you deserve a free you're month. The, you're the underrated psycho if you're only filling out one bracket this year. <laughs> I fill out like 15 and then I just pimp the one that's doing the best. And for me, the Illini are winning them all. It's a great year. Yeah, One champion. A, see, you're a homer. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you're a homer and you hate Mike Boynton. You just want Brad Underwood to stick it to OSU. Yeah, you. I didn't know. I didn't think you had anything against OSU until this pod today. I was today year, today's year old, years old when I found out that Bob hates Oklahoma State. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm d- can we claim a little fair weather? Because, I mean, I know Bob's from Illinois. Like, I get it. But I've never heard of this Illinois fandom until all of a sudden Illinois is a hot basketball team. <laughs> I haven't either. Well, you should go through Twitter throughout the years. I always <laughs> talk about the 2005 game. I, it's like an anniversary for me. Arizona, Illinois, the greatest comeback ever. 
this uh, this is this this is my team even uh, even before the Sooners. By the way, uh, the the system that we have set up here on the podcast, Josh doesn't know this. We have caught other people on the radio doing this. Uh, we just found out that today is the first podcast where as soon as Josh hears basketball talk, he gets up and leaves. And you knocked something over when you got up. I'm not sure what I, that was. I didn't. My the dog did. But yes, that definitely happened. I uh, sure. I needed to hit the, the I needed to hit the head, and I was like, they don't need any input from me on this topic. <laughs> so I'm going to take my moment and do this now. Uh, and I I had gotten away cleanly until he um, my cord on my headphones is extremely long. And he ran underneath my desk. He grabbed it and it yanked it down off the top of the desk, and that was the loud clattering. And like I look at him, and I'm still of the mind to make no noise. I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like mouthing it, and <laughs> so you know, it, it's it's a super not cool look. But sorry to everybody that he- heard the uh, the clatter. That would have been better if you would have been yelling at your dog. Well, yeah, we would have been like, know, "What the f- is happening at Josh's house right now?" But then, you know, ASPCA is going to call me with, like, Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background. It's going to be a whole thing, and I just, I'm not interested. That wouldn't be a bad ploy to get Sarah McLaughlin to come to your house. Maybe that's what Michael Vick was doing the entire time. He just wanted to meet Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. It was just misunderstood. Our bad. I did love that Dobra Wawa Super Bowl commercial. I don't think I saw it. You need to I go. know you I didn't. I can't think of it. Any Super Bowl, and I'd say I don't know. It's the one really where think. they took a Doberman and mixed it with a Chihuahua, and they were very aggressive. And so it was a Chihuahua body and a Doberman pincher's head, just this huge head on a little body. It was hilarious. Anyway, um, okay, so hoops coming up. What is our game Saturday at six twenty-five? TNT on TNT. Okay. Um, I, love that. I love the times for both OU and OSU. Friday, 5.30, perfect patio weather. Prime drinking. 6.30, weather, Saturday night. That's times. beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the NCAA tournament. I can't contain it. Can we say, other than Bob, who's a hater, that I can we all say that we're all kind of looking forward to see what Cade Cunningham does in the tournament? Uh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. This feels like it could be like a mellow type situation where he just I, takes over the tournament the ar- for four I can rounds. I make both arguments. Like I, he could be Carmelo, or I can make the argument that Liberty ends up beating him because they turn the ball over so much. And I mean, yeah, this to, is a team like, that still, still lost to TCU twice. Well, guys, I mean, and you you guys know I don't fall. This is more basketball than I've talked in the pod in years. But what you know, it feels like as Oklahoma's star descended. Oklahoma State, like it just at the same time, oh, like almost absolutely. exactly yep. parallel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure it's a really obvious take. Games were against OU. Yeah, that helped. I mean, th- I mean, look, they're they're playing really good basketball going into it. I mean, they really are, and the it's a, it's because too much. And I think it's a big part of that is because likely was out and Cade Cunningham, like he's been a. a hesitant star for them i mean there's a reason they lost two to tcu you should never lose to tcu when you have Cade cunningham on your team but he's always been a guy that defers and wants his teammates to be involved and they got better when they put it on his shoulders and said 
hey, go win. And remember, Cade Cunningham, I think he didn't he miss a layup at the end of one of those TCU games that would have either tied it or won it, I think. So he got called for a charge, right? There was something that happened with him at the end where he could have made the play, but he didn't. Yeah. Um, in, in which game? One of the TCU, TCU games. Oh, yeah, he got called for the charge underneath yep. the basket in the mm -hmm. second game down in Stillwater because they, they blew the big lead up in uh, Stillwater. I mean, down in Fort Worth. Yeah. But, I mean, the the more they put it on his shoulders, the better they got. I mean, that and he, look, they played well as a team. It hadn't just been him. Uh, uh, Avery Anderson's been incredible. Yeah, Anderson's right. been when, great. When Cade was out in Morgantown, that's when Anderson came. And yeah, I mean, that win in Morgantown without him, that – that proves how much better they've gotten as a team. So, anyway, it's not uh, this is not the pistols firing OSU basketball pregame podcast. Um, let's head on You're to welcome for the content, Carson. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I like Carson, even though we get in little spats here and there. Love Carson. We're good. Um, I like Carson. Uh, so, so let's hit the recruiting trail a little bit, Josh. Um, I guess we'll just start off. Uh, you know, just. Just kind of what's what's new? What's the latest? Well, you know, as Bob talked about, I mean, we're starting to hear some of these um, stories of, of guys taking uh, starting to set up their official visits. and All centered around a date, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is, you know, that, um, was it June 12th? Is that what it was, Bob? Yep. I'm trying to remember mm -hmm. the exact, yep. yeah, yeah. Weekend. So yep. I, 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 I was like, I feel like that's right, but Bob will know for sure. I, I'm always bad about that. Uh, but, I mean, you've had guys like Dane Shore, the big offensive lineman offer. Uh, the one that was a little surprising, I think, to everybody was Jalen Lewis, the defensive back out of Tennessee, that really there hasn't been a lot of talk about. But clearly, I mean, that's just something we've kind of missed. And it's it's one of these scenarios that, that happens more and more when, you know, our rivals reporters aren't around these guys at, at these camps or these events. It's harder to have that contact, so you, the news can kind of slip through the cracks sometimes. But, yeah, I mean, you're seeing guys that, you know, like I said, that aren't maybe um, the most obvious choices. Of, oh, yeah, that guy's going to visit as starting to set up these visits. I, another guy that's been um, kind of in the news is Gabe Dindy, probably – I would say probably with the exception of Gentry Williams, probably Oklahoma's most key defensive target right now, the big guy out of Florida whose parents are both OU alums, uh, talked with Chad Simmons this week and really, you know, is clearly about to cut his list to four. I am very, very confident Oklahoma will make that four, but has said that he wants to wait until the All-American games to make his decision. So, I mean, that that's a long time for OU to have to wait and kind of not know, but you know, we know how these things usually go. The school usually knows long before then. But um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But like I said, I think he is a guy that Oklahoma really, really needs to land to kind of make this defensive line class have take that next step where they're landing a lot of good guys, a lot of good talent with potential. But now you've got to start landing those premier guys that everybody wants, and Dindy's certainly one of those guys. Now, in terms of uh – it is kind of interesting because some of the schools that didn't play in the fall are now playing in the spring, especially up north. And I know uh, uh, there's some, some interest uh, from us in some of that. Right, Josh? In, uh, I'm sorry, I missed something there. It cut out a little bit. The uh, Demond Harmon, Gilliam. Yeah, I mean, just parts of the country playing spring football now that, that's going to kind of you know pique our interest a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, th this is – you know, guys, it, it was – 
there were times when I remember, you know, in our group conversation, we're like, man, this is going to be hard. How are we going to do this? I feel like I've been able to cover and see, and especially by the end of the spring season, more players in a calendar year and get to see them not in a camp setting where you're watching maybe four, maybe five reps and, you know, going against, you know, questionable competition or maybe, you know, just in a, in a setting where you can't really have a lot that's under control, but getting to see them in games, you know, getting to see action. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to go see DeMond Harmon and Kelvin Gilliam along with the, the defensive back off of Braylon Johnson. Uh, then you're going to get to see uh, we're, we're planning to make a trip to Southern California, see some guys out there, you know, obviously led by Relique Brown, the, the big-time running back commitment. So the fact that the season has been staggered, has allowed us to kind of pick up, you know, pick up some games and pick up some opportunities that we normally wouldn't get. So, I mean, obviously get to go see video, get pictures. And yeah, DeMond Harmon and Kelvin Gilliam have already signed and that, that's fine. But just to, you know, like to have a better feel for those guys, especially when they're closer to enrolling than any players I've ever watched in a game. I mean, you, you see the pictures of Kelvin Gilliam walk around the sidelines in Highland Springs. That looks like a guy that's ready to play ball next year. So uh, I, I'm I'm super interested in this. Obviously never been to Virginia to see a high school game. Really anxious to kind of see how that comes out. And then, like I said, to turn around, go to Southern California and see modern day that is just, you know, I, I'm expecting like 14 Division One guys on their roster, or I, I guess in their starting lineup, forget roster. So it's – um. It should be a lot of fun here over the next few weeks. And then, obviously, with the camps going on, there's going to be another uh, Under Armour camp in Houston. We've got Rivals camps coming up in Dallas, uh, Southern California as well. So it's it's about to get really busy in a time of year that always is busy, but it's kind of a different, and I think it's more interesting, honestly. Outside of that, uh, you know, I know – from kind of doing some stuff, you know, a lot of Oklahoma spring stuff, a lot of the bigger schools, like they won't start spring football until track is over. Um, but, you know, does it look like in the high school level that spring football, from what you've been able to tell, is, is going to come back uh, pretty much normal as usual? <laughs> yeah, it, it, was pretty, it, it was pretty normal a year ago. Yeah, that's it? true. That's true. <laughs> Well, it was delayed. I mean, they had, they had that whole delay where they did it in like June. But yeah, I mean, with that exception, there was, I mean, I missed a couple of um, practices like Jinx. I didn't get to see because they had a, they had a situation there on the day I was supposed to go where they had somebody test positive. So you had to go through all of that. But in general, it was, it was pretty normal. But this year should be like we're used to kind of late May, everybody going through spring practices once, uh, once the track season is over and, uh, you know, I'm anxious to see it because, guys, like we've talked about, this class of 2022 is really, really good in state. You've got the big-time frontline guys like Talon Chetron, who, you know, we need to talk about him at Under Armour this past weekend that Eddie and I saw. But, you know, him, Gentry Williams, Jacob Sexton, who was also really good at Under Armour. You go down the list, and there's a lot of frontline guys. But, man, the more tape you watch, I mean, guys, there, there's power five guys that are going to end up in my 30s in the state rankings. So, I mean, there, there are... There's just so much talent in the state. And then 2023, 2024 already has a guy with an offer who we saw again at Under Armour this weekend, David Stone at Dell City. So, I mean, there is, there's going to be a lot to see and, you know, going to be really busy that week or so making our way and kind of our rounds around the state. Now, I, I maybe some people saw this. I'm, like I said, I want to get to the Under Armour stuff in a minute. But uh, I think people that are just kind of casual fans probably saw this. 
Uh, Florida coming into Oklahoma and offering a defensive end. And I think there's a yeah. family connection there as well, a little bit with the coaches, right, and the, the Blair's family. Yeah, his father uh, played at Mississippi State, so there is a correlation there with, with Mullen and that whole connection with his time at Mississippi State. Now, they, they don't exactly overlap, but there is there are members of the staff where there is connection there. Um, but Chris McClellan, you know, and it's funny because I talked to Chris probably three weeks ago, and he had told me he had been in conversation with Florida and they were kind of like, man, you know, why, why isn't Oklahoma all over you? Why, you know, like a, a kind of, kind of jabbing OU a little bit because they weren't involved. And I thought, well, at the time, well, you haven't offered him either. So what, you know, what, what's that all about? But now they've come through. I mean, and you're really starting to see his offers elevate. You know, I mean, it was, you know, good ones, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, you know, I mean, good programs, but now it's like, Michigan, USC, Florida. I mean, he's starting to move into those top ten type programs, and at some point, you wonder if OU's just going to say, "We we can't." If this guy's got all this, how long can we pass on him? Because if you don't get Gabe Dindy or you don't get Amaria Boer from Duncanville, and then Chris McClellan, who's in your backyard, has made multiple trips to Norman, doesn't get an offer and goes to Florida, goes to USC, boy, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow. That that's a real loss of talent that you could have had. Is is he any closer to getting an offer, do you think? I I I would say strictly from what I'm t- like from a pressure standpoint, yeah. Because like I said, it's it's one of those things where I mean, you know, we can go back to Sam Bradford. I think OU was willing to take their time with Sam Bradford until Michigan came in and USC came in. And then all of a sudden it started to change the the storyline on him. You know, why 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 are you not offering this kid who's, you know, father played at Oklahoma? There's all these connections. I think that's where it's moving with Chris McClellan. But at the same time, as long as OU feels good about Dindy and a bore, I don't think it's a problem. But if you don't if you're not pretty confident there, I think you have to make a move. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think if you can't, uh, if you if you see OU start to make that move, I think it probably is an indication of, okay, maybe maybe we're a little worried here. Maybe we don't want to wait as long as we need to. And I I, I don't, I think Dendy is open-ended. As long as he wants to have a spot, he's got a spot. With a bore, it's not so much that they would pass on him. It's that maybe they're not as confident as they want to be. All right, you mentioned Under Armour. You and Eddie uh, went down to Arlington uh, last weekend. Uh, just kind of give us a, a, a first impressions breakdown of, of what really stood out to to you. Well, I mean, I mentioned him a second ago, but I, you know, and Eddie can back me up. With this I thought Talon Chetron looked awesome, and the, you're talking about a guy. I mean, he said it in the interview with us. He was two days removed from playing his last basketball game. This is not a guy that's been training in all you know off season. He's been playing basketball. And so for him to come around, and I thought, you know, with guys like Evan Stewart, um, oh, I'm I'm gonna blank on. A, I mean, there there were I think four top thirty receivers in the country at this camp. I mean, it was just a really good group of receivers. And for my money, Shetron was absolutely the best guy there. Hmm. So, and you know, it's so crazy to think. And Bob and Eddie, you know, you guys know it too. To see that kid as a freshman and see where he is now. Like, every time I see him, he's continuing to get bigger and stronger. Like, you can tell 
He's putting in the work. And, again, that's coming off basketball season. I mean, he hasn't been in the weight room. He's just getting bigger. It's just, it's just kind of his frame is filling out. And somebody asked me in the board chat this week, who does he remind you of? And now looking at him up close and the way he moves and kind of how he's his game is kind of set up, he reminds me a lot of Roy Williams, the, the old Texas receiver. That That's who he looks like to me and that, that same kind of big, overwhelming size but he's got more speed than you think he does he's he like i said he is um he's coming along and i a year ago if you would have told me i thought talon chetron had a real shot at five stars i don't think i would have believed you but that's becoming very possible for him yeah we just got to stop going to his games that's one catch his dad eight his he dad does. literally asked if it was Bob or Eddie that is cursing him, but he he, he needs answers. The, the Shetron's yeah, family I, is losing patience with Sooner Scoop. <laughs> I threw you under the bus, Bob. I blamed it all on you. I said, there's no all right. No, he, he does look like that was one of the first things that kind of popped off to me, though, uh, even before the workout started, Josh, was just how big, how just physically mature he's starting to grow into his body, I think would probably be the best way to say it. So it's a... He's going to be dominant if they can uh, if they get if they have somebody that uh, can get him the ball over at Santa Fe, which I think that they do because I know that we like we like the uh, freshman that they have over there. Uh, it could be he could put up some big numbers as a senior. Anybody that you saw that you know that maybe had gotten an offer from OU that you you saw them in person and you thought okay this kid's a lot better than I thought or, or maybe justified an evaluation that OU had had on a kid. The, I would the say that, the, oh, it was, that was the first time that I saw Luke has. I mean, I he stacks up with just about anybody, and to remind yourself that he's only going to be a junior, it's kind of a woe moment. Yeah, I mean, watching him work against some of the, uh, again, a really good group of DBs. I mean, this, this camp was very deep. I mean, almost every position, there were multiple OU offer-level guys. And so... Watching him go against a guy like Javian Toviano, who is absolutely, you know, the guy when you asked that question, Kerry, he's the guy that came to my mind as absolutely maybe the guy that impressed me the most physically, the way he played. I mean, just a big defensive back um, from the, you know, from the Dallas Metroplex that OU offered, I want to say about two weeks ago. And he is, <laughs> excuse me, I'm having trouble right now. Um, he is all that all that you know. Alex Grinch has talked about length, size. Uh, he turns and runs well, but he he can really do just about everything. And I I am a huge fan. Also, Jonte Cook, the uh, the twenty twenty three receiver from Desoto. Everybody's told me about him since he was a freshman. It was my first chance to really watch him, and I mean he is a. I, I I can't think of a better comparison that I'll come up with in the next few years of watching him than Mark Clayton. That's exactly who he reminds me of. Same kind of quick little twitchy burst, more speed than you think. He's bigger than you think he is, um, but just was super impressed with his work. Is it just like you got like cotton mouth, his mouth dry, the throat dry? Yeah, my throat is dry. Like, and I hadn't noticed it. Until we got to this segment, I'm like, I am dying here. I, I keep trying not to cough pretty much through every answer I'm making. So um, I am half vaccinated, but may, maybe I got the Rona. I don't know. 
No, I think that's just kind of gone. I've had a sore throat. Like, that's the only thing I ever get now is sore throat or dry throat. Like, I'm kind of having a dry throat the last couple of days. Yeah. It might just be the humidity going up and down with the weather changing. Yeah. I woke up this morning and and had some junk for sure, so I don't know what it is. Um, It's called little doorknob blinkers. Oh, Lord. Yeah, they are walking Petri dishes. It's not good. Um, But, no, I mean, there were several guys. Like I said, it was a really, really good camp. I wish we'd have had more time to watch some of the O-line, D-line stuff. Um, But, yeah, I'm (coughs) kind of stick with in-state. Like I said, I thought Jacob Sexton, he only had a couple of reps, but he was very good. Uh, David Stone, the young guy I mentioned from Dell City, he is going to be special, special. I mean, just kind of a – you know, like I was just saying about Shetron, I don't think I would have believed a year ago, and certainly not farther back, that he could push for five stars. But I absolutely could see that that becoming a possibility for David Stone. And the last time the state produced a five-star defensive lineman was Gerald McCoy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, anything that that caught your eye quarterback wise at the camp. No, not really. And I'll I'll be fully honest. Part of it was I knew I didn't have to be that locked into it. Um, I talked to a few people that, you know, there were some some really young guys, like 2024 guys that were pretty promising. Uh, there's a kid from the North Dallas area that was there the day before at kind of their, you know, basically 16 and under type camp. And I talked to a few of the coaches that were, you know, working both the the kind of the young high school and the you know the varsity type camp and they said he's going to be unbelievable um so th- there's some of that going around but i mean 2022 we know what's out there we know who OU is going to look at should they choose to but it just doesn't sound like that's currently the plan 2023 i mean it's full full steam ahead with malachi nelson i continue to hear that's going really well for oklahoma and then 2024, we've just got to see what direction OU wants to go. Um, there are I've heard of a couple of in-state kids that are pretty promising, but we'll you know we'll just have to see because I mean that's that's going to be that uh, that that even year where Oklahoma's going to you know maybe maybe they maybe the the even years are the Micah Bowens years. Maybe that's what we we've come to know those as where they go and find a transfer, kind of see how it works out, let that play out how it will but maybe don't really push for the elite quarterbacks unless they just find a guy they're absolutely in love with. You know, Eddie doesn't know this, uh, Josh, but I, I, I told Josh before this camp, you know, Eddie's been in quarantine. And not, not, you know, he's not isolated, but he hasn't been out in the camp setting for a while. And I said, Josh, be careful, watch Eddie, because I'm, I'm a little f- afraid he might be getting a little too thirsty on the hot mom watch. Uh, did he behave himself and everything okay? He was. I mean, th- there might have been a few moms he was checking to see if they had attended the the, the camp or not. But I mean, definitely um, stayed on. You're saying past, he's been scouting them online, so he knows. Oh yeah, yeah. Eddie Eddie knows. Eddie Eddie's no fool. Um, I, I think anyone that listens to this podcast would just flat out know I was lying out of my ass if I said Eddie was not aware of such things. All I can do is see the opportunities in front of me and make sure that they get a good divorce lawyer. (laughs) Take it one mom at a time. Yeah, that's that's all you can do. And just keep working on the hair. (laughs) 
loosely affiliated with what Casey Anthony was trying to pull off, but I don't have any kids. <laughs> um, hey, Josh, real quick, I was going to ask you. Yeah. We have we have uh, the video of them going head to head, but I I thought Ish Harris was a really good looking athlete. He is. What I found most interesting about that Eddie was him working at running back. Like, what does that say? Because almost everything I understand is him as some sort of defensive recruit, whether it's linebacker or safety or some sort of rover setup. There's something along those lines that's happening. I haven't heard any talk of him as a running back, so I don't know what to make of that, really. Um, but, yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, he went head-to-head with Kip Lewis, the uh, the linebacker from Carthage, who I've got an interview I need to run. Um, but Kip, Kip spoke very highly of Brian Odom, really, really – uh, kind of mentioned him as one of the relationships that's really one of his strongest so far in the coaching ranks. Wants to get up to OU for a visit. It's never been up there before. Uh, that That's the weird part right now is doing these interviews with these guys going into their senior year. And a place like OU, if you're a major recruit, you've probably visited twice by now, usually. But with all the restrictions and everything going on, they're like, yeah, I love OU, but I've never seen it. Like it, it, last year, it was it was still unusual because you know you had Mario Williams, you had Rollins Kabange, but I mean those guys were from way far away. Most of the guys locally had already taken a few visits before the world got shut down, and this year, I mean, there's just masses of kids that are probably going to end up at Oklahoma's class that at this point in time have never seen OU. All right. Um, anything else you guys wanted to get out there before we get out of here this week? It's off the beaten record, but uh, OU baseball with a big win on Tuesday night over in Fayetteville, number one team in the country. So maybe they're turning things around. I, apparently, I mean, it was I think pretty we're rough far there for a while, Eddie. Where you can say that they have a pretty good offense. We'll see how they do. I mean, Big Twelve uh, conference play is going to begin uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, and they have Houston for a three-game series in Norman. So. Uh, some big weeks ahead for uh, the University of Oklahoma baseball team. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for this week. I appreciate everybody uh, joining us once again. Thanks to uh, the entire crew for uh, being here as well. So uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week with spring practices underway, and we'll probably know the fate of OU's basketball team, unfortunately. Hey! And they have to play Gonzaga even if they win the opener. So. <laughs> no, unless you're my, in COVID. Unless my COVID plan it. comes together, yes. Yeah, just remember, you're giving out free subs for people that uh, are picking OU to go to the Sweet 16. I, I haven't had my legal disclaimer on that yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> Still got to think of this a little bit, so. Uh Okay, so thank you for joining us. Uh, go get you some dead Soxy socks. Uh, as I said uh, earlier, I had them for uh, my St. Paddy's Day socks, uh, and they were wonderful. So thanks to them, and thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back again next week right here for another edition of the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.